Since we started this, we haven't really reassessed whether or not it's something we want to continue doing. I guess we could do that at we some just, point. Yeah, at some but point I figured. We'll do it. I figured as long as. Uh... No, the thing is, we just have to go as long as possible without assessing. Right. So that we can keep doing it. Yeah. Because whether as, or not we want to. As soon as we assess, we'll we'll figure out that it's not worth. <laughs> it's, it's not, not worth, worth the it. effort. Yeah. So. Good morning. Good morning. This is the Obscure Gami Podcast, a podcast about obscure things. I'm your host, Thomas. Who are you? Flight. Your host. Okay. This is my co-star. Who am I? And founder. <laughs> I founded you. Ben That's, Page. <laughs> we told you your dad listens to this podcast. Oh, sorry. He's the founder. Yeah. Uh, he founded you. Yeah. Found my co-founder of this podcast. I'm ben, ben. Ben Page. That's me. In this podcast, we talk about obscure things that we find interesting. Obscure things like Thomas Flight and this, Ben Page. This week will be no different. I have... Except better. I have a whopper of a topic. Uh, it is a doozy. Ben Ben knows what this topic is going in because we did this episode once before. Um, so we're going to do it again and Ben's going to act like he's... I'm going to be very surprised. Yeah, he's going to act like he's surprised and, uh, and I actually try to be interested. I kind of don't remember all yeah. the details. Right. So. I, I also love how like we never established as a premise of this show that the other one doesn't know what the topic is but it's just become a thing right but i think it's actually did we ever do one where we both knew what it was going into it i think one or... of the first few no i don't knew. think so like i think magma i knew you were gonna do magma but did i had you? but i accidentally listened to the wrong band <laughs> so so yeah, for the out. magma episode i knew That's you were doing right. magma I but you. i accidentally listened to the other band that we haven't done a podcast on. Yeah. And so I thought I had prepared by listening to their music, but I actually hadn't. Gotcha. Um, but I think other than that and the um, Ken Zaza episode, it's yeah. been mostly a surprise. And now this, because I already did this. Time. And now this. So um, Hannah always like hears her voice in the recording when I edit, and she's mm. like, I didn't know you were recording. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I think you did at the time. <laughs> okay. So, uh I kind of like her role in the podcast. Yeah. Of just like being the voice that speaks out really sarcastic comments yeah, quietly in the background. Um I think it it grounds us. So, going into going into this topic, uh it's this topic is vaguely related to Coca-Cola, the, the company, the brand. So what? Coca Cola. What is that? It's I've a, never heard of that. Uh, it's very, very obscure. One of the most obscure sodas. Gotcha. You'll have ever heard of. Is it as obscure as Pepsi? Because nobody's ever heard of Pepsi. Uh, it is yes, more obscure than Pepsi. No, um, I have this little fun little Coke, Coke fact, so that I can segue from Coke into into cool. the actual soda. Let's do Coke. Um, but did you know that Coke? coca-cola claims that it invented the coupon you did know that because i told you last <laughs> <laughs> no yeah 
I did not know before you told me yeah. that Coke <laughs> claims to invent the coupon. Yeah, the the origin of the coupon is uh is not really that well known, or I guess it's not widely agreed upon the origin. But yeah, Coke claims they had some wow. some vouchers uh, for I think like ten cents off or five cents off or something did that originate in like a city or a specific place or was it um it was used in america <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you gotta ask me when when you ask me questions about topics you gotta ask me questions specifically about the the i'm trying the to think things i know i asked a question last time but i'm trying to think of what it was <laughs> That's all right. We'll move on. So the topic this this week is not about Coca Cola. Is it's, it about coupons? It's not about coupons. Um, it's about OK Soda, which is a obscure, little known uh, experimental soda from the early '90s that Coke released, and it was only out for a few years, and it, it had some pretty unique branding. So I think I think it's yeah, it's worth exploring. Sergio Zyman, people might be familiar with New Coke, another failed uh, Coca-Cola enterprise. Yeah, Sergio Zyman is the man. Was the man responsible? I don't know if he was directly responsible for the idea of New Coke, but he was at least responsible for like the marketing and the branding. Right. Um, so what happened with New Coke? What was that all about? New Coke. There was so there was some Pepsi. Coke's arch nemesis did a series of actually I don't know if it was Pepsi or Coke who did them. One of the two companies did a series of like blind taste tests um, where they had uh, consumers blind taste test Coke and Pepsi right. in like to see li- which little cups to see which they preferred and it was found widely that people preferred Pepsi right. and New Coke was the response to that and so they had changed some of their flavoring, and apparently Pepsi was mainly a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the long and short of it is that it was widely rejected. People didn't like New Coke. It was later found to be mostly because, like, in small like taste tests of a few sips, Pepsi is is largely um, preferred. But if you would send people home and do a blind test with like two blind two liters Mm -hmm. a lot of people would end up preferring coke because it's less sweet it's more palatable in larger quantities and pepsi is if you drink a whole palatable bottle smaller quantities yeah so anyway it was failed new coke reverted to coke classic and sergio zymond left or was fired or he was no longer at coke um but when was this development in the uh, the 80s yeah, I'm not sure when when that whole thing went down. Um, but towards towards the end of the 80s, early 90s, Sergio Zyman comes back to Coca-Cola and uh and he's kind of given free reign to <laughs> he's given free reign to kind of do what he wants what is this with the story? branding what, of Who who's like, "Oh yeah, remember the biggest biggest marketing fail we ever had yeah remember the guy responsible for that we're just gonna bring him back into the fold and let him try it again so the trick the trick is kind of a steve Jobs. he 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 had some successes so i guess you know a lot of successes outside of coke 
No, he had he had some successes within Coke. Here, I can I can very quickly. Uh, one of his successes was Diet Coke. Ah, so when so he made up for his yes, yeah, mistake. in a lot of ways, uh, he made up for his mistake, and mm-hmm. and I think to a certain extent he was probably not wholly blamed for gotcha. the new Coke gotcha. failure because he was merely a marketer. So I don't think, I don't think he he probably didn't push the idea into existence as right. much as failed to probably market it as well as it could have been. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, Sergio Zyman he comes back on the scene at Coke. And he's he's given kind of free reign to to do what he wants with the marketing and branding of um, some new sodas. One of them was Fruitopia, uh, which had this very oh, bold, yes. colorful color scheme. Um, I remember and Fruitopia, it, and ended up being fairly uh, successful. It's not a huge. It's not on the shelves anymore. Yeah, but uh, at the time, at the time, it was good. Good it was notable. The other is OK Soda. Which is remembered largely for its oddball marketing campaign. I confess that I do not remember seeing OK Soda on the shelf. It's it's not surprising that you didn't because uh, it it was only on shelves for less than a year, I want to say, and in very select, limited release. There was a test launch in the summer of 1993. Some of the cities it was in were included Austin, Texas, Boston, Denver, um, Cincinnati, Fargo, Knoxville, Portland, and maybe 10 or 15 other cities. No huge ones like New York or mm-hmm. none of the major. Kind of mid-sized cities. Yeah, it was mostly mid-sized cities, and it wasn't really introduced in rural rural areas. Um, so yeah, it flew under the radar for a lot of people. But the 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 most notable aspect of this was its kind of anti-marketing approach to its own marketing. So the way they came up with the name was in the early '90s. Coke all around the same time. Coke did some market research and they determined that it's not verified by other sources, but at least according to Coke. Coca-Cola was the second most well-known term in the world or most recognized term in the world. Coca-Cola was the second most well-known and the first most well-known was OK. And so not to be outdone by OK, they, you know, shoot for the top and and went after OK soda. It was also kind of based loosely or, or not based on, but sort of commenting on some of the self-help psychology pop psychology culture of the preceding two decades um specifically a book called i'm okay you're okay by thomas anthony harris and he was a pioneer of transactional analysis which is about modifying the ego state and affirming your own positive aspects uh, so kind of a power of positive thinking. Yeah, it was it was kind of some of the s- early variations of that. Um, just a lot about kind of accepting yourself and finding your own okayness mm-hmm. in yourself, um, which is something that OK Soda really kind of leveraged and tried right. to play off of. And uh, so when it when you hear OK Soda, it's not really supposed to mean oh this soda is just okay. It's supposed to be like getting to a level of, hey, everything's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there was there was a little bit of both of that, right? Um, you know, there was there was kind of a wink, wink, like we're not like we're not claiming this. We're is not the best claiming soda this ever. is the best soda ever. It's just okay. <laughs> um, but there was also a lot of talk in the marketing, kind of about okayness and right. you know measure your a oath. state of like, well being. They had a commercial where where it was like, what is your level of okayness? And there was like an okayness meter, mm-hmm. and it's like okay pretty okay very okay i'm okay or something and then it had like a the outline of a hand on the tv and then Uh it was like place your hand here and like the meter like goes up to like very okay or something like that (laughs) and like that was the commercial Uh, (laughs) so they they kind of uh played off of that it's almost like a a buddhist state of balance yeah um brian lanahan coke's manager of special products told time magazine uh it under promises it doesn't say this is the next great thing so it was very it was it was kind of all made in response to just like this the flashy over-the-top marketing of the 90s and in the 80s too and the 80s and just like a response to that and being like yeah you people who are tired of being beat over the brow with consumerism and consumerism and oh this so like drink this soda it's yeah. gonna make it's gonna give you the life you want yeah no we're not gonna say that it's just a soda it's just okay and so the the cans the advertising was very meta in a sense mm-hmm. the cans were gray and black and white with a little red here and there they mm-hmm. kind of had some comic design artwork on them um they hired comic artists from well-known comic publishers at the time so in addition to the illustrations that were on the can there was a 1-800 number that you could call 1-800 i feel okay and uh and they also usually had little text boxes with coincidences on them Um, on the can on the can an example would be the night he first tried okay soda rick b of aurora colorado put a full can under his pillow and went to sleep he dreamed he was crawling through an endless gravel pit parched with thirst when he awoke his first his thirst had disappeared and he felt strangely satisfied note the can of okay still unopened was empty this is only a coincidence so these coincidences were on the can. You could call in to the 1-800 number and record your own coincidences or mm-hmm. testimonies related to OK Soda, and you could hear other people's coincidences. You could also hear bird calls uh, oh. and That's random music. They just had a lot of kind of quirky, quirky stuff. There was also um, an OK Manifesto that... Um, and parts of the manifesto were sometimes included on the can and in the advertising and they were sort of pithy platitudes um kind of thought reform sayings and mm-hmm. double speak uh some of the some examples of this would be what's the point of okay well what's the point of anything or uh <laughs> the better you understand something the more okay it turns out to be Okay, Soda says, don't be fooled into thinking there has to be a reason for everything. And uh, there is no real secret to feeling okay. It's got a very, uh, 
it's very surprising that a brand like Coke would go for something like that. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty bold at the time. Like yeah. from what I can, from my limited research of like the kind of the state of soda at that time period. Um, like now we're a little bit more used to sodas being branded in a more, um, in, in, in kind of a very specific way like that. Like we have drinks like Red Bull that mm-hmm. are very, yeah, that have a really marketed in very specific ways or very targeted. Right. And we have drinks like Snapple that yeah. have like messages on them or things like yeah. that. Um, but at the time to kind of have like, a soda can that had cartoon art and like this whole meta narrative of advertising well, the, the narrative of it is what's yeah, so interesting yeah, was, and the, the was anti, very peculiar it, anti-advertising right approach is yeah. what's so fascinating about it all right let's see okay soda broadcast ads 1994 <laughs> They really like to include barcodes. It's interesting as a part of their branding. They concern the distinctive taste of okay. Here is one such document. All additional documents have been withheld pending further declassification and So this um this one commercial it just has like a document that has redacted all the text has been redacted except for a few words that say like fruity citrus bubbles yeah so what kind of soda was this okay soda we'll get we'll get to that in a second i want to play a few more of these in the meantime please enjoy that feeling of okayness which is only restricted to those who drink our beverage Okay Soda has been criticized for marketing efforts that exclude some people. Therefore, the risk of this commercial may be viewed by anyone holding a small pocket mirror to the screen. And then the rest of the ad plays in reverse. It's just a bunch of text on the screen in reverse that you would presumably need a mirror to read. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to these some of these commercials so you can check them out. And it's just that, like, to me, there, there's a sort of brilliance to that. Like, this would have really... Um, especially as a young person, I feel like would have been very attractive. Yeah, it's to pretty me, different like, from everything else that was out at the time. Especially at its time, yeah. Now, now we're we're fairly acclimated to like a Super Bowl commercial that pokes fun at itself, or like you know advertising that has a certain like meta quality or narrative to it. It's yeah. not uncommon like the old spice ads yeah. have a certain level of like absurdity and self-awareness self-awareness um but that was not at all common yeah uh at the time so yes you 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 kind of alluded to earlier what what the flavor of this yeah that, that's the big question uh, like, it seems drink. like they had a brilliant marketing yes. campaign so what what did the soda actually taste like and was it a success so Tom Perico, uh, who was someone at Coke who did an interview with NPR at the time, uh, said the audience that this product is aimed at 
is aimed for is an audience that is sort of accustomed to being smashed on the side of the head. So you have a flavor that is sort of out there. Sort of out there. I read that wrong. Tom Perico um, was not not someone who worked at Coke. He was just a Tom Perico was a marketing consultant at the time. Ah, he, did he, he did an interview. He did an interview with NPR covering OK Soda. Gotcha. Um, and he said, "This is not a drink for the timid. The whole premise of the drink is just sort of to rock the taste buds. I think." So this drink really steps forward and does affect you. That, that doesn't sound like those were his words. Just okay. It no, it, like it doesn't really sound just drink, okay. Based yeah. on what he just said, it sounds like the taste of the drink was pretty much bolder than just okay. Yeah, that that was his opinion. Um, it's it's described as sort of a unique fruity soda, citrus flavored. Um, people have tasted or have described it as tasting a bit like mixing a bit of Coke with some root beer and Dr. Pepper and maybe a little bit of orange soda. There were, I did some reading on Reddit. Uh, there were some threads from people who were, who had actually tasted the soda, who were exposed to it when it was actually out on the market. Mm-hmm. And some of the people talked about the taste being inconsistent. So maybe it would like tasted a little different from can to can. People described it as being very similar to suicides or graveyards, um, which is the practice of mixing every soda at a soda fountain together. (laughs) Um, Because of this, there was some speculation that that's literally what Coke was doing, was mixing just leftover soda together. I tend not to believe that because it doesn't make sense. I don't think you have yeah. second-run soda or leftover soda. No, not the way they bottle it. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. But regardless, it doesn't sound very yeah. It does good. It it was largely cons- like nobody. There's people who say it was disgusting and they didn't like it. There were people mm-hmm. who said it was okay. <laughs> um, but if there was anything that people were into, it was the branding yeah and nobody was specifically into the taste so that's interesting it wasn't so that could be a contributing factor yeah, to to its it's uh, the fact that we don't eventual. we can't buy it at the supermarket right. now a reddit user named south shore bum uh said the soda was absolutely terrible what they had that was awesome though was the 1-800 number you could call and record messages and other stuff it was how me and my friends would call each other late at night Person A would call the 1-800, I feel okay, and person B would dial person A. That way, they would answer the call from call waiting instead of the ringer waking up their parents. Gotcha. So the, the 1-800 number was, <laughs> was popular, it sounds like, from some of my research and reading, but not among people who actually wanted to buy OK Soda. It was m- right. more kids interested in the novelty right. or people wanting to goof off so do you think if this marketing campaign had been attached to something different it would have changed the fate of okay soda i think i i think if it had tasted good it certainly would have had a shot i don't necessarily think it was um it was a bad right marketing campaign well let me ask another hypothetical that I know you don't have the answer to, but what if OK Soda had been an energy drink? 
and it was the beginning right. of the energy the, drink yeah craze would the energy drink craze have happened in 1994 it or was it too early it could have the the problem the main problem i see of that which which may have made it even more successful um or it could have just because it is similar to energy drinks di- in some of the ways that right. it's marketed died in the water is like it death especially if it was the first energy drink mm-hmm. it definitely doesn't say energy like nothing right. about the marketing <laughs> speaks like you will be energized by this right. yeah so i can oh i can almost see that working now kind yeah. of in response to energy drink marketing right um for an energy drink yeah. or a more unique soda but yeah i don't know if it would have kicked that yeah well i mean it's almost time. it the idea of feeling okay is almost kind of what an energy drink sells you right no that's true it sells you that idea of of a feeling that you get from drinking it right more so than most sodas do yeah although dr pepper has kind of a campaign yeah that's similar yeah i don't know i mean my my big the the interesting question that it raises to me is because uh, like this kind of marketing campaign with like a meta self-awareness as we mm-hmm. said before, is not is not uncommon today. But the thing that the thing that I I th- was unusual about it, and it still is unusual to this day, was the kind of not nihilistic, but just very non traditional take on life. Like having something in your manifesto that says, "What's the point of okay? Well, what's the point of anything?" Right. Is pretty bold for a marketing campaign yeah it's like stepping into the world of philosophy right and it's one thing for it's one thing for an advertising campaign to kind of poke fun at itself and make you laugh and be like oh haha marketing is a bit silly Mm -hmm. we can kind of acknowledge that but is it going too far to say like life is maybe a bit silly or like you know start being that philosophical Mm -hmm. um with a marketing campaign yeah and that that's the thing that's poison death to to marketing people normally because they want to reach as broad of an audience as possible right yeah and the quickest way to do that or to kill your chances of doing that is to target yourself to a specific ideology and you're you're selling you know most of the time you're you're trying the whole point is to try to associate good feelings with with your product so that people buy your you know hopefully associate good feelings with your product and then want to buy your product to get those feelings yeah so you can brand in an offbeat non-traditional way to stand out yeah but is it really associating the feelings that you want to associate with your product and doing that maybe i mean if it's targeted specifically to a group of people and that group of people is big enough right like if there was a big enough youth movement well but that takes me to to the final reason i think it was probably unsuccessful was that even if it's successful in doing that and Mm -hmm. and kind of reaching that group of kids Mm -hmm. if you're really the disillusioned kind of young adult who's grown up on advertising now and everything's Mm -hmm. bright and flashy and fruitopia and you know this is going to make you feel great and you know just learn to help yourself and have some positivity and self-esteem now we're going to subvert that and beat you over the head with this huge bold marketing campaign that's all about how 
you don't want to be marketed to. At right. the end of the day, it's still a marketing campaign. It's yeah. still trying to manipulate you. It's still trying to market to and you. And still trying to market to you, all while saying, we understand you don't want to be marketed to. Mm-hmm. We understand you don't want to buy into this, yeah. this culture. But there's something to be said for a marketing campaign that's like, well, we understand that we, we kind of like, it's almost like saying we have to market right because yeah. coke is making us yeah but we we don't really want to so we're going to make these kind of anti-establishment ads yeah and i could see that that could work if it came out at the right time and yeah or or if maybe it had been like a different company because ultimately yeah that's true um it sold like a million cases during its test run which isn't low but it, by coca-cola standards right it wasn't enough and right. it just got canceled. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, in the hands of a smaller business or something like that, right. it, it may have had enough steam to keep going. Yeah. But would a smaller business have the wherewithal and the means to put together a marketing campaign right. like that? Yeah. Is really know. the question. It did, it, it, did <laughs> gain, it did gain kind of somewhat of a cult following. There was fan websites that got put up after it got canceled and people wrote letters to coke uh asking if it would ever come back mm-hmm. um and they got letters back from coke saying no yeah. it wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> um so there was definitely a group of people that it did connect with yeah um and people like you can hear there's recordings from uh the the call-in line where where people would call in, you know, and record like a coincidence or a testimony that was very kind of like in line with like marketing campaign. Like mm-hmm. people would play along. Let me see if I can find an example. Some of these are pretty good. The music choice in the ads kind of reminds me of uh, Pulp Fiction, which oh, came yeah. out that same year. Right around that same time. This is the bird calls. I think this might be about as avant-garde as advertising has ever gotten. Hi, I'm Bruce J from Seattle, and during my vacation in LA, a friend offered me some OK soda, and I turned it down. That was the night before the earthquake. Yikes. There's recordings of of people who called in and left Mm -hmm. recordings who, you know, had messages very similar to kind of the whole whole thing or the whole aesthetic. So it definitely connected with a certain group of people. Yeah. I guess ultimately it just wasn't a large enough group. <laughs> For Coca-Cola. Yeah. Fascinating. A funny story I'll end on is related to the the artwork that went onto the cans. They commissioned some comic known comic artists at the time and uh, when they were getting the concept up and running someone from coke uh, contacted an artist um, named i believe david close um, and close uh, 
he he got the mock-up and he sent them some art back and he he said quote i knew full well that what they were trying to do was not possible that you could not market to cynical hipsters by being cynical and hipsterish but the pay was good um more than clothes had made on his last five comics so he took the job not imagining that he he didn't think it was he was very skeptical and didn't think it would ever see the light of day um so uh, with sort of a rebellious subversion much in the tradition of okay soda he drew his mascot for the can to look like charles manson <laughs> and he said uh they made me sign all this non-disclosure paperwork and stuff but nothing nothing ever said don't put a mass murderer on the can <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great article. Um, Sounds like David was a bit of a cynical hipster himself. Yeah, there there is a great article that kind of covers some of the artists that yeah. did work for it. The in, artwork is, in depth. is quite interesting, um, and it's worth reading. I'll I'll include the link. There's some of the most interesting looking cans that I've seen. Yeah. No, but, I I, I mean, um. Now we have Jones Soda and yeah, all kinds of other things like that. It's a clever little campaign and uh it's a shame it didn't have a better soda yeah attached to it yeah um i've often wondered why there's not more variety in soda yeah it seems like there's a few flavors that have really stuck and we keep going back to yeah there's like the cherry and the cola and the orange and the ginger ale and the root beer <laughs> and that's mostly the extent and that's, that's yeah. the lemon lime yeah but that's pretty much it so uh, yeah. props to them for trying know. but i think they they had this idea about marketing and soda because of kind of the behemoth in terms of like branding and recognition that some of their other drinks like coca-cola or sprite had become but ultimately those drinks developed be first because people liked the drink mm -hmm. and then became wildly recognized and known because of good branding yeah. on top of the drink. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily ever worked to lead branding first in a drink category because ultimately people have to like to drink it. Yeah. As they do with Diet Coke. Yeah. And, and oddly enough, Fruitopia, which is almost the polar opposite of a marketing campaign that you could get from uh, OK Soda, developed by the same marketing guy at Around the, time, the same time, was yeah. was successful uh, at hmm. the time anyway. And OK Soda was dead in the water. Randomly enough, I I saw a, a an ad just the other day for Sprite. There's this ad with a, several celebrities in it. I don't remember exactly who. But it, it kind of uh, has them saying, I could say drinking Sprite would make you feel refreshed on a hot day, but I'm not going to do that. And the whole ad is just them going through like these series of like great things about Sprite and then saying mm -hmm. like, but I'm not going to tell you or I'm not going to say that. And then they're yeah. like, we could have this guy over here sing a song about how great Sprite is and whatever, but we're not going to do that. Right. And that's like the whole ad. Yeah. And I'm like, it's very... Um, reminiscent of sort of, of the okay soda. of okay yeah. soda but in contrast to okay soda it, it takes a certain page from that playbook but at the same time it has celebrities in it yeah, it was very bright 
and airy and yeah. colorful and uh it holds back a little bit yeah and it still holds back just a little yeah. that reminds me of the the mini campaign where they uh it was a super bowl ad i think they had where they had a bunch of celebrities it's similar to that where they were they were kind of stating all the things that people say negative things about mini coopers like this car is too small or this car is gay and yeah. like they, but they would have like a famous gay person or a famous short person saying that saying yeah. that and then the the whole idea was that being small or being gay could be kind of badass yeah and it was it was that kind of a presentation yeah there's so yeah, I, I guess that campaign in a way has kind of influenced a lot of others yeah or maybe maybe they sprang up from time to time from separately maybe they yeah. grew up separately there's no connection to okay yeah. soda but it definitely seems like it because there's so much of that in marketing now yeah that there wasn't then yeah yeah re regardless of whether it originated or was influenced by okay soda there was certainly there's certainly a similar theme that's kind of grown in popularity over time mm -hmm. um and 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 it's interesting to see and and it's funny to watch some of it become kind of like a, a self parody like mm -hmm. uh i hate chevy's commercials where they like to bring in uh quote unquote real people not actors I yeah think they even call their ads like real people not actors yeah and they just have all these people like standing around just like spouting off the most ridiculous like bs about chevy vehicles and like acting mm -hmm. surprised and like they just stage these absurd sort of situations that presumably started from a place of like we want to subvert advertising by right. you know trying by to appearing genuine sh like show this almost documentary style yeah well it's like, like reality tv ad but eventually it just morphs into this like crazy parody of itself where they have an ad now where they just sit a bunch of people down in front of a chevy and they're like choose the emoji that best represents this chevy mm -hmm. and it's like so absurd yeah they should definitely find new roads <laughs> um yeah it's like reality tv i mean it's it's supposed to like convey this idea of reality yeah but it's it's clearly staged or very likely staged time to do the random go on to wikipedia. the random wikipedia section this is the part of the show where we go to the old randomizer on the old Wikipedia yes. and do the old push of the old button. The worst part of the show. <laughs> and then or the best. <laughs> then we find an old article with words we can't pronounce. Yes. That's pretty much how it works. Ding ding ding. So what do we got today? I'm gonna push the button. Ah Independence Day is a song by Martina McBride. It is written by Gretchen Peters. And it was released in April of 1994. <laughs> oh, around so you're, the same time as OK Soda. You're not talking about Independence Day 1997, the the cinematic masterpiece. Um, no, I was actually talking about the country music masterpiece, oh. Independence Day. Oh, by by Martina McBride. That's the one, written by Gretchen Peters. It was uh, first offered to Reba McIntyre. Who turned it down? And it went on to be a hit, a top 20 hit. Spinning right now, we have Martina. What's McBride. 
McBride. <laughs> Got a little Independence Day. This is for all you out there lighting up your sparklers, eating your watermelon right now, July Sipping July your 4th. okay soda. It's funny, you would think red, white, and blue would be kind of a, a theme in this song, and it clearly is, because you can tell uh, in the music video, there's a lot of red, white, and blue objects, Mm-hmm. but uh, the video is in black and white. We still didn't get to the chorus. The song peaked at number 12 on Hot Country Songs. The song is sung from the point of view of a daughter who recounts her mother's response to domestic abuse. In the official music video, the girl is at the 4th of July parade when she sees two clowns pretending to hit one another and the sight hits too close to home. Suddenly, she no longer sees the parade as fun and returns home. But the home is burning. By the time she gets back. Presuming, presumably because the mother burned it down. And she's shown at the end of the video crying in the back seat of a police cruiser as she is being taken away to the country children's home. I'm not sure how to feel about this. Beginning shortly after the September 11th attack, um, Sean Hannity began using part of the chorus as an opening bumper for his Premier Radio Network's talk radio show. How do you like that? The song is, <laughs> Wikipedia notes, the song is about domestic violence, not patriotic values, according to the writer of the song who does not agree with Hannity's use of the song. Hmm. It's been covered by Taylor Horn, Carrie Underwood, Lil Rounds, and uh, Tristan McIntosh. She she can't stop Hannity's use of the song, so she collects royalties, and uh, she chooses to donate them to her causes because I guess she doesn't want to take... She doesn't want to take blood take money. Hannity's money. Fair enough. It was nominated for several awards, won Song of the Year at 1995 Music Association Awards, and Video of the Year. Yeah, this is not obscure at all. CMAAs. This well, lady's written a lot of other hit songs, too. Gretchen Peters, not Martina McBride, although Martina McBride presumably has as well. Do better next time, Ben, when you hit the random button. Sorry. At least there was nothing... That we really butchered in the I don't know. I think I think we have a skewed view. I think we we see anything we can pronounce as not obscure and things we can't pronounce as inherently obscure. Um, and I just want to point out that uh, that uh, what's the word? <clears throat> well, apologies to any of our other listeners who are not in the American South, but <laughs> Jesse Matthew. <laughs> And your dad. <laughs> All are in the American South. All so of them far, have probably listened to Hannity's radio show yeah. at some point in time. Yeah. So to our audience, perhaps not that obscure. Very good. Anything um, else you want to say about Independence Day? No. Song I, I, or otherwise? I don't really have a lot of commentary on it since we haven't listened to the whole song. Yeah. Um, so um, if people wanted to find other episodes of the show show notes um places to subscribe obscuragami.com or email us with your feedback Uh um or suggestions which we will most likely ignore and to do that that would be obscuragami at gmail.com one hour we recorded i think that's a record